It's Flakes on a Train as we're talking Snowpiercer on episode 118 of Have You Seen? Hello everybody and welcome to episode 118 of Have You Seen? Uh, this is another one of those lovely uh, stilted Skype conversations that I will have to edit lots of awkward pauses out of later on. Uh, I am Kieran somewhere in Hertfordshire, Lafort, and way over there is Tom somewhere in Essex Web. Hello. Ah, there we go. Um, we're going to be talking about Snowpiercer, which was pitched to us by Pete Hammond a little while ago. Uh, let me just find the email. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? Uh, you know what I said about editing out awkward yeah yeah this will be one yeah let's start with this one okay Pete said uh, back on the 30th of March so this is fairly recent for us (laughs) yeah Uh, he said hello chaps another pitch I'd heard this film via friends of friends and the premise did intrigue me it had a very limited release Christ knows why and it isn't out on DVD yet but I managed to quote unquote acquire it all the same if you can find it, I pitch you Snowpiercer. Mad little film, kind of a mix of Mad Max, The Matrix, Animal Farm and The Polar Express. How it never got a big release, I will never know. Quite low budget, but looks amazing and has an unbelievable cast. Chris Evans, John Hurt, Jamie Bill, Tilda Swinton, Ed Harris to name a few. Set in the near future, humanity has gone to pot and through a variety of reasons I shall not spoil here, everyone lives on a big old train that cannot stop and will not stop. I, can't, I shan't say any more, as it's best to go in completely cold on this one. I did and was blown away by it by it so he doesn't really add much to the plot there uh but basically to combat global warming um a chemical is released into the atmosphere uh, i think they call it cw7 and the idea is that will reduce the global temperature unfortunately um it backfires a bit freezing the planet and erasing all life and the only people who survive uh are people who, for some reason, were on a massive train and class war ensues. You want to add anything to that? Uh, no, that that that's that's pretty much the 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 basic premise. Yeah. Uh, so, what did Snowpiercer do for you? Um, I'm kind of. It seems it's very interesting. It seems to be one of those films that people either love or hate, and it seems to be a very distinct difference mm. oh um, i mentioned last week that i had already seen the first 45 minutes and switched it off because it annoyed the hell out of me but i was willing to give it another chance for the show yeah um but i i found myself sitting somewhere in between the two <laughs> so for the movie upon which no one can sit on the fence yeah I'm, you managed to sit on the fence yeah i i um there's things about it i like and there's things about it i really don't like Okay. Um, I like the whole. I like the premise. Mm. I, I think it's a really interesting idea. Um, I, I love the the sort of the set design and and the look of the the movie, with the exception of the bad CGI. Yes. Um, That's budgetary restriction. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I liked pretty much all of the casting, with the exception of Chris Evans. Okay, um, but if Chris it, Evans didn't bother me, Tilda Swinton bothered me quite a lot. See, I quite like Tilda Swinton. Oh, the the wow. reason Chris Evans bothered me was because his he like, I think her performance was the right 
tone for the movie, whereas his wasn't. That's interesting because I thought she was completely out of kilter with the rest of the film. Because I, for me, this movie, it's kind of like it's a, it's almost like a a, a sort of a, a second draft movie. Yeah, I think, and I I I kind of like I want to see this film made by Jean Pierre Junet or Terry Gilliam. Maybe. I think they just make it a bit more interesting and they damp up the characters a bit more. I think a lot of it is casualty of a man directing not in his first language. Yes, yeah, that could be true. Uh, you know, I just found Chris Evans, like, he's supposed to be the person you relate to, mm. uh, but he comes across, much like in a lot of his films, actually, comes across as just, like, the dull, boring guy mm. uh, who's a bit put upon. And when they do try and give him, like, a, a, a story, a decent backstory, it turns out that he's a complete arsehole anyway. <laughs> So yeah. it just kind of I don't know I I for me that he as a he needed to be more heroic. Although he did get one of the the most unintentionally funny lines of the whole film when they're giving him his story. Right. You know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. Yes. I know that babies taste best. Yeah, that's the bit. I mean, I was just like, oh come on! It's like that's too little too late and it's just the wrong tone and too stupid yeah exactly yeah he he needed to be more heroic he it was like it was weird he it was kind of like oh this is my destiny to do this but it's such a chore mm. and it's just like well why are you bothering then it, it, so it, that kind of all fell apart a bit i think and it's kind of like, oh, it's this really cool idea of, like, let's distill society down into a small sample group mm. and we'll watch it sort of see how it tears itself apart or how it holds itself together. It's the, it's the same premise as what works brilliantly in the book Lord of the Flies. What with humanity trapped... Um, yeah. No, 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 I'm, I'm uh, equating it to something else. What right. with humanity, all classes of humanity trapped... Uh, and unable to get away from their current environment and everything going to pot. It's the game Bioshock. Right, okay. I've never played Bioshock. Bioshock's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Tilda Swinton looked like Stephen Merchant in drag. <laughs> yeah. I get the feeling she just kept doing the voice because the director thought it was funny. Yeah. And she's, just, uh, she's like northern Maggie Thatcher. Yeah, I think that was the point of her. No, I, mean, I think just, that was exactly what she was going for. She was just a complete cartoon character that seemed out of place with everything else. Yeah, and I think the others should have been more cartoony. Mm. I think the whole thing should have been a bit more yeah. cartoony to make it work. There's The bit I gave up on mm. first time round was... Um, where they come across all the guys with the balaclavas. Yeah, and the yeah, yeah, that is just that. Uh, in fact, actually, the hack and slash stuff is really dull and completely mm. unnecessary. I think I just wrote in all caps. Why is there a carriage filled with balaclava men with axes and spears and a fish? Yes, yeah. It, and why is there a beat in this axe fight, which is the hero slipping over in slow motion on a ritually sacrificed fish? It. What was interesting was it's there's so a, weird I, I, in the trivia on IMDb. Chris Evans. Was like, I don't want to do that, it's stupid. Yeah. And the director made him do it. Yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, why Why did he make him do it? And then it was like, oh, to, to help aid the plot, the, 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 his, his story arc later, which is basically it gives an opportunity for Jamie Bell to save him. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, hang on a minute, there's a better way to do that than him slipping on a fish. You can do that fish. far more organically. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, John Hurt sounded like Baron Greenback from Danger. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's just the way his voice is going. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and when he gets killed, spoiler, mm. his wooden leg changes sides. <laughs> uh, yeah, there wasn't much I liked, actually. Um, uh, the way they know that a year has passed is they p- uh, pass over a certain bridge. Yes. I like that idea of the yes. milestone. Yeah. Um, the stuff in the with the indoctrinated kids in the classroom is weird. Yeah, very and much the, so. The maniacal pregnant school teacher. Yeah, I but see. I quite. I thought that was quite good. I, I you know, that's when it became interesting, hmm. and it was less interesting when it was like you say a room full of blokes with axes. Yeah, and it was just like here's a massive. It's 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 kind of like you know what Lord of the Rings has turned a story into just a series of huge battles that nobody really remembers in the books. So let's do that in this. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is based on um, so the graphic a novel, isn't graf- it? graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd probably enjoy that more. I think this is the sort of story that is probably better consumed that way. Yeah, probably. Um, unless, of course, you've got someone like Terry Gilliam or Jean Pierre Junet who are going to make it a bit more weird and interesting yeah so do you have anything specific about anything in this film because i've pretty much run out of notes already um apart from the end oh and the very beginning the first credit after the director is hair and makeup so that guy's got a great agent yes i saw that i thought that's a bit out of place um yeah no anything specific i like the fact they used strange brew by cream on the soundtrack (laughs) even though i'm not sure it was particularly well used it was nice to hear it Mm. um i hated the bit where they were shooting at each other as the train went around a corner yeah that was a bit silly that was just like oh they did that in skyfall maybe we could do that Um, i don't even remember there's well kind of they do a bit like that Mm. um this predates skyfall i think slightly really yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it only came out in the last year. Yeah, but it was shot a long time ago. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, I. it's one of those projects that just all the pieces didn't quite fall into the right place. Hmm. If it had have done, I think it would have been brilliant. I think, yes, it's. I think it's considerably less than brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, let's talk about the end. Okay. What do you think the end of this film is supposed to mean? I think the end of this film is supposed to mean that uh, uh, the uh, old Korean guy was right, that the global the global temperature is stabilising mm-hmm. and humans could actually live outside of the train. Okay. Uh, what it actually transpires as two kids left to the mercy of a polar bear. Exactly. Which was just like, so if they're the only two humans left alive, they're about to get eaten. Well, not only that... There is no way that 17-year-old girl is doing anything with that five-year-old boy well, to carry true. on the human race. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So there's a massive... Because there has to be an explosion at the end of the film, Yeah. there's a massive explosion which derails the train. Mm. All bar four carriages yeah. disappear off a ravine. That's thousands of people our heroes yeah, yeah. irresponsibly killed. Yes. And the only two people left at the end of it, as we said, are a 17-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy, and there's a polar bear wandering around outside. Yeah. It, it, so if that was all of humanity on that train... Yeah, we just killed it. fucked everything. <laughs> yeah. This is so... It drove me nuts. <laughs> I know. so stupid. It was just like, there must be a, a better end. He should have just stopped the, the train. 
I was looking. the The polar bear outside is supposed to is supposed to like symbolize hope for life outside the yeah. train. I well, was it, like, but it's just hope for polar bears. Exactly. That's all. It should it like fine if it had been an animal that was like I don't know. Uh, uh, less scary, less predatory, less prone to eating. Yeah, maybe maybe something like a mountain goat, which is Fine. which can cope in that temperature, but can also be eaten by humans. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, there we go. That's fine. But you still can't have with sex have sex with it to perpetuate the race. <laughs> no, that's true. Humanity is boned, but and figuratively, yeah. whichever way you look at it in this film, <laughs> it is it is. Which is why you know if they just if the trainer just stopped rather than the explosion. And everyone had got off. And then you could have had Chris Evans be like, okay, let's start a new society outside of the train. I'm going to have this 17-year-old girl. Yes. Um, Although, to be fair... You boy, go play with that goat. Yeah. To be honest, they picked the wrong guy. Chris Evans should have died and Jamie Bell should have gone on. So the only person having fun in this movie. Yeah, what they should have done is about... Jamie Bell should have gone further, uh, maybe to the steam room. He should, he should have got that far. Chris Evans should have got uh, killed. And as he dies, he tells the, his backstory to Jamie Bell. And it's like, okay, I, I, I was horrible. I nearly ate you, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Go on and lead these people. That's what it should have been, because then you would have had a hero you care about. Yeah. It would have given him a sense of fate or de- like a bit of destiny. Whereas with this, it was just like, yeah, I used to be a baby eater. And then some old guy really showed me up in front of everybody. So I stopped. It's <laughs> a good reason to stop. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. John Hurt's looking hard as nails. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. By chopping his own arm off. Yeah. With a knife, apparently. Yeah. How big is this knife? Yeah. Well, exactly. Any final thoughts on Snowpiercer? No. I think I made it, the right decision the first time I watched it to turn it off after 45 minutes. Probably. It, it, it goes in this ever-enlarging pile of, oh, what could have been. Yeah. You know? I think it does. Right. Uh, pitches? Yeah. Am I particularly reverby? Uh, no, not, not that I, I, I can tell. Okay, because I'm 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 recording this in the bedroom, right? Uh, which has many reflective walls, right? But is smaller than the living room. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. It'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm also I couldn't find any earphones, so I've got a pair of borrowed Beats headphones on my head. Right. Okay. This episode brought to you in part by Dr. Dre, <laughs> um, and they kind of suction cup to your ears. Oh. Okay. And they're incredibly bassy, so right. I have a very distorted. I want to say view, aural view of uh, the sound of this podcast at the moment. Okay. Uh, I'm in our library slash office, so it's lined with bookcases. It's lined with bookcases, which is nice and it's good for for audio. Oh, maybe I can turn the basement into the recording studio. Oh, that's a good idea. Put those veg boxes up. Yeah, that's a good idea. I need to have a word with the missus when she gets home. uh, If if you want, I did a load of research uh, a couple of years ago for the studio at work about um, the soundproof foam. It's not research for work. Huh? Don't ever pull the third book on the top shelf in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> um, pictures? Yeah, okay. Uh, what do you have? Okay, you want me to go first then, I take it. Go on then. Does, okay. does this mean uh, sorting through many notes? No, 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 it's fine. Uh, I just, I, I don't have any notes on it yet. I just uh, 
wanting to bring up the Iron Duke. No, 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 no. It's what I was planning to. I just wasn't qu- typing quickly enough on my phone. Um, so I'm going to pitch you um, a movie that now is quite difficult to categorise its genre. Um, apart from, I guess you'd call it an adventure movie. Okay. Um, made in 1975. Uh, directed by John Huston. Written by John Huston. Based on a like a, a story by Roger Kipling. And it's called The Man Who Would Be King. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, the, as far as I can remember, it's the only film to, to star uh, Sean Connery and Michael Caine together. Um, Is it? I think so, yeah. I thought I think... did something again later in life. As old men. I could be wrong. IMDb's got rid of the feature where you can yeah. search for two people. I don't the think time. they did. This bears... Uh, I don't think they did. Research, quite possibly, but as as for this is kind of like them at their both at their peak, right? Um, You know, two you know mid seventies. They they've they've their careers have just gone stratospheric through the sixties, and it's kind of the bringing together of two major stars. And you know, you know that pretty much every British person has a bad impression of Michael Caine and a bad impression of Sean Connery. Yes. And and how those impressions... Oh, God, I've just thought of something. What? Let's remake Face Off with Michael Caine and Sean Connery, where <laughs> they each have to do an impression of the each, other. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, they're, they have those obvious uh, vocal traits that everyone over-amplifies. This is the movie where they are both the absolute peak of those impressions. Okay. Um some of the dialogue between them is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but And it is literally like Michael Caine being his most Michael Caine and Sean Connery being his most Sean Connery. Um, I am resisting the temptation to do an impersonation of either. Well, yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Maybe next Perhaps we could do the whole episode in character next week. Maybe next week when, when no doubt you will have picked out some interesting lines of dialogue. Um, we'll have to recreate our favourite ones. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, there, actually, there's, voice. there's a feature on the Shaun of the Dead DVD where Peter Serafinowicz and Simon Pegg run through scenes as... The Beatles. Uh, no, oh no, they also do as Michael Caine and Sean Connery because of this movie. <laughs> right. Um, the basic premise is this. Two British soldiers in India decide that uh, there's no money to be made being British soldiers in India because, you know, the Raj is in full swing. Uh, it, this is set in the... 18, uh, late, uh, late 1800s or sort of Victorian time so that the, the empire is booming India is under British rule they decide that they're better off and they can make a lot of money if they head north into the wilderness of uh, a place called Kafristan which is uh, sort of North Afghanistan area is okay. where, they're, where they're heading Um it's said to be uh, at the time, you know, within the, within the story, it's said to be uh, no white man has been there since Alexander the Great. So they want to go there, and they want to, uh, you know, they've heard of untold riches, so they they want to kind of go and effectively be mercenaries, um, because that area works uh, on the sort of feudal system, so they can they can they can use uh, sort of tribal war to to, to make money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's kind of uh, Christopher Plummer plays Rudyard Kipling, and it, it's kind of done so that this is Rudyard Kipling has written this story based on what happened when he met these men. Okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, so he it's a retelling of the legend, kind of. Yes. So uh, he meets Michael Caine on a train. Uh, Michael Caine's character is called Peachy Carnahan. Of course. Yeah. No. Exactly, and. Um, He's a bit of a, you know, he's he's this ex-soldier, but he's a bit of a bit of a con man, and they both are, and they have these kind of things going on, um, and the scene on the train where they meet is fantastic, particularly for Michael Caine, Michael Caine uh, dealing with an Indian man who's eating a watermelon too loudly, <laughs> which, yeah, it's it's just is there kind of unsubtle acceptable in the 70s racism in this film well this is what i find quite fascinating about this film is the fact that it's a film made about it's a film made in the 70s with 70s attitudes towards i guess race and misogyny and all of Mm. that about a sort of almost glorifying a period of time which when you look back on it now, isn't particularly good for Britain. Right. So it's kind of weird because you've got like every, you know, in the seventies, it was still acceptable to look back as the, at the empire is a good thing. Yes. Uh, And then now, so you kind of look at this film. Some people still do. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you, you look, it's weird because we're looking back on this film with its outdated attitudes, which is glorifying even more outdated attitudes from a century previous. Um, but like I say, it's, it's just this adventure film, and it, I mean, it's it's amusing. There's uh, there's some action in it, but it's mostly about it's it, it's kind of a cross between being quite big in its scale, yet quite intimate in that it's almost exclusively a two hander between them because it's mm. about their relationship. Um, the only other kind of character that comes into it is Saeed Jaffrey, who plays Billy Fish, who's a who's a, uh, a Nepalese Gurkha that they 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 kind of pick up along the way. Called Billy Fish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who who's in awe of Englishmen because, you know, that's what the Gurkhas were at that point. They were you know, they uh they were a regiment of Nepalese who's pledged allegiance to the Queen. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's just it's on uh, UK Netflix and um I I think it's one of those movies it's like it's a proper Sunday afternoon film. Mm. Uh, it's a couple of it's like two hours long, and you can just kind of put it on, and it's just a good adventure for a Sunday afternoon. Actually, um, to watch it on a Sunday afternoon. Yes, yeah. It, it's um, I'll be interested to see what your take is on it because it's just a bit. It, it kind of it seems very, it's very classic, but it's very difficult to place now. Okay. Like I think if if imagine if you were a, a modern day film marketeer, how the hell would you market it? Okay. It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's you know it's an adventure film, but there's not that much action in it. It's a bit, but not a huge amount. Mm. You know, it's a it's a it's a story of a relationship between two people, but they're just two soldiers. Like you know, it's so it's it's you know it's weird, but it's good. I, I really like it. It's kind of it's a it's a fun fun movie. It's weird, but it's good. Yeah, which pretty much describes what I'm going to pitch to you. Okay, um, a long time ago. Way back on episode 39. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, which is October 2012. Jesus. Uh, we covered Dead Snow. Yes. Uh, which is uh, 
a small Norwegian film about a bunch of friends uh, who go on a ski vacation and get attacked by Nazi zombies. Yes. There's a sequel, Dead Snow 2. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, which I watched again this morning. Uh, and it makes me laugh so much. Right, okay. <laughs> um, uh, you have to be... I think you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. Okay. Uh, the A lot of the humour is, I can't believe they're doing that. Right, okay. Um, but if you go with it, it's very funny. Okay. Uh, if you remember at the end of the first movie, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter if you don't because the first two minutes of this one uh, is a, a handy montage right, okay. uh, of Dead Snow 1. Uh the only survivor was a man named Martin, and he got in his car ready to drive away, but a final piece of Nazi gold, which is what the zombies were after, uh, drops out of his pocket into the car. Yeah. And Herzog, the last shot of the first movie is Herzog, the zombie commander, mm. uh, going to punch through the window and grab him. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of this movie, he does punch through the window and grab him. Right. Martin floors it uh, and smashes the uh, Herzog on the front of an oncoming lorry, tearing its arm off. Right. Uh, Martin then passes out of the wheel, crashing the car. And when he comes to in the hospital, um, he uh, the doctors are proudly telling him that they've reattached his arm, which he had to saw off with a chainsaw in the yes, right first movie, right because it got infected. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they've attached Herzog's arm, <laughs> right, which has a little bit of a mind of its own. <laughs> okay. Being a Nazi zombie arm. Yeah. Um, on top of that, the uh, the police don't believe his zombie army story and suspect him of massacring all his friends. Right. Uh, and Herzog's army have found a new target. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should tell you much more than that. Okay, no, that's fine. It's, um, like, it's like it's one of those movies, that, you know, going in cold is often good. Yes, absolutely. Um, it is, uh, it was shot in both Norwegian and English versions. Oh, much like Contiki. Yes. Right. Uh, and the English one is available on Netflix US. Okay. Uh, everybody's English is pretty much flawless. Yeah. Uh, the accents range from, um, actually, they're two people who share a lot of scenes. Uh, a Norwegian girl who grew up in England and just sounds English. Okay. Uh, uh, to her scene partner who um, has quite a thick accent. Okay. Uh, but he's possibly the funniest person in the film. Right. Uh, he's a complete asshole cop. Okay. Uh, determined to take down Martin and get to the bottom of all this. Okay. Um, he's just he's just a massive prick, like parking sideways across the disabled bay, <laughs> um, ordering his staff to undo the top buttons on their shirts so they can be more casual around the office. <laughs> right. Um, all of that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of dark and funny and violent and creative and twisted and hilarious and everything you think a comedy uh, zombie film should be. Okay, cool. Um. Yeah, it's the first one, but amped up more. Okay, sounds which good. Is not necessarily a bad thing for a no. sequel. No, no. So that's it, I guess. Unless mm. you have any further insight on anything. No, not that I can think of. <laughs> I didn't expect anything, but no. Um. So, if you have seen the Man Who Would Be King, or Dead Snow Two. Or even Snowpiercer. If you want to tell us we're wrong about Snowpiercer, we'll read it out and then tell <laughs> yeah. you you're wrong for telling us we're wrong. Yeah. Um, you can do so on Twitter at HYS Podcast. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. The website is haveyouseen.net and the email is podcast at haveyouseen.net. Mm-hmm. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash HYS Podcast, which contains a bunch of little videos of us pitching films to you because we've both seen them and we're not going to cover them on this show. Uh, oh, and of course, the epic episode 100. Yes. We like shares and likes on Facebook, 
but Facebooks, more than one Facebook, <laughs> particularly new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, again, especially if new show tweets, reviews and ratings on iTunes, especially those with lots of stars, and your pitches for new films and reviews of stuff we've covered. Thank you to all of you for listening, uh, especially if you've done any of those things. Uh, I have accidentally put my iPad keyboard across the bottom of my notes, so I can't read the rest of this. Uh, <laughs> thank you to upbeat productions for um letting us take microphones and pop shields out of the submersible so we could do- record this episode oh. thank you to alexia man for his technical expertise robert submersible manager for managing the submersible and nicola social media manager for managing the social media that was quite a lot of words in one breath yes well done good uh we will hopefully be back in approximately a week ish yeah, well yeah but probably i'm out of the office all next week you are but yeah. this will go up next week, so... Well, hopefully, this well, will go up within a short amount of time of us finishing it. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, a week or so. Yeah, about a week. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we'll be talking about Dead Snow 2 and The Man Who Would Be King. Yeah. I think that's it. Cool. Are we done? Yeah, I think we are. Marvellous. Let's go watch some movies. Excellent. Bye. Bye. Bye.